Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, the host of Right Nowish. Today, I'm asking you to take a second and imagine what it would be like if we simply didn't build any more prisons. If we took the old prisons we do have and converted them into centers that focus on restorative justice. You know, using classes and conversations that push community building, as opposed to methods that are all about punishment. What if, all right, hear me out, architects design buildings to promote healing and growth? What if we just simply built society differently? That's what Deanna Van Buren is asking. Or rather, that's what she's been doing. A lot of people call me a justice architect, but I don't design prisons. I don't design jails. I don't design detention centers, and I don't even design courthouses. More from architect Deanna Van Buren after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. All right, bring us back to the start. It was 2007, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, so it's super specific. I was at um, the Taylor Memorial Methodist Church in West Oakland uh, to celebrate, and Fanya Davis and Angela Davis both spoke um, around the topic of restorative justice. And in hearing that, it was I knew in that moment that that, for me, was a real solution. Like, why aren't we doing it this way all the time? This makes absolute sense to me. It is possible to do justice differently and that we all have to kind of ask ourselves if when we're harmed, are we willing to go into dialogue with the person who might have harmed us? Are we open to a system of accountability and healing? And that moment in 2007 sort of put me on a path of thinking about how to practice differently, right? I can practice for people who look like me. I can practice for the liberation of black and brown people instead of for the wealthy and the powerful and the institutional. 
and I've been successful in, in building out an organization that is focused on ending mass incarceration through innovations in the built environment, using both finance and design together. Seeing that you've done work across the nation and also in, in my backyard in the East Bay. And so what does that look like? What are the actual projects? What is, what's the actualization of your projects looking like? Recently, we finished Restore Oakland in your neck of the woods, soon to be my neck of the woods because I'm moving. And Restore Oakland uh, is the country's first center for restorative justice and restorative economics. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to gut this building and we're going to turn it into three things. First, a restaurant that will break the racial divide in the restaurant industry by training low-wage restaurant workers to get living wage jobs and fine dining. It does not matter if you have a criminal record or not. On the second floor, we have bright, open, airy spaces to support a constellation of activist organizations to amplify their cry of healthcare, not handcuffs, and housing is a human right. And third, the county's first dedicated space for restorative justice, filled with nature, color, texture, and spaces of refuge to support the dialogues here. And that inspired another project just like it in Detroit uh, called the Love Buildings. Uh, we're doing more community organizing work uh, in L.A. County to create a restorative care uh, village, right? So what is that around behavioral health? Uh, we're creating a tool that's building out the entire infrastructure that we see is necessary to end mass incarceration uh, so that communities can plan their neighborhoods differently. So it's a huge range. I could keep going, but... <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. A lot of balls in the air. I got more. I got more. <laughs> <laughs> and you're traveling even during this time, this crazy time. Yeah, because we're essential workers, right? Dismantling racism, unbuilding racism is essential work. I can't stop. I mean, we go safely, right? We're really safe. We social distance. We wear masks. But I'm not going to I'm not going to stay at home when there's that kind of work to be done. Well, when you put it like that, like, yeah, that's the most essential work. Duh. My bad. Okay, but how do you actually transform a space like that? Like, I'm thinking about the county jail in San Francisco that recently got shut down. How can we see it turned into something else? So I think, you know, the, especially with these facilities, they've done so much harm, right? They've really done harm. Like, community looks at these spaces and these buildings, and there's a lot of trauma there. Like, we have a trauma reaction to the thing itself, right? And the energy of what happened there is still there. So... They can be repurposed, costly to repurpose because they were built to hurt people, right? Punish, separate. And now you want to turn it into housing or you want to turn it into a center for equity or you want to turn it into live workspace for artists, whatever, all these ideas that come around. But there ain't no windows, right? The whole thing's chopped up with a bunch of concrete walls. You got to get rid of all of that, right? All of that's got to go. Um, and so you can do it, you know, but sometimes it's cheaper to tear the thing down and start again. And you got to engage the community in that. You got to repair the harm by engaging folks and reimagining it so it's someplace they'd actually feel comfortable going. I mean, one initiative we have is to turn them into trade schools, welding schools. We call it the Welding Justice Project. You know, if you're going to repurpose these facilities, you have to bring restorative economics into it. How does this actually generate revenue and bring jobs into the community that are living wage and actually growth jobs? You know, there, you got to stack some functions here. Yeah, not just symbolic, just like actually structure for a purpose. Was it Atlanta where it was an old prison that got turned into a multi-use place? It's a jail. It hasn't okay. been uh, repurposed yet. Uh, we are still working with the community organizers to push 
the mayor's office to close it down. About like 20 people left in there. It's 475,000 square foot jail in downtown. Used to house over 1,000 people. There are 20 folks. You need to close that thing down. And we presented four beautiful development options like demolish it, rebuild new into a center for equity and freedom and wellness, right? That's what we were designing there. There's no incarceration happening there. This is exactly the kind of multi-use, multi-tenant hubs we were talking about before. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're not giving up on that. What's your thoughts on the newly built prisons that are built with um, restorative justice practices in mind or are built with intelligent architecture, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I have this conversation a lot, Penn. Um, Here are my thoughts about it. I don't think you can build prettier boxes to house black and brown people built on the foundations of structurally racist system. Like, that's not where the resources need to go. Anytime you build a better looking prison or jail, you're taking resources out of the community. The investment you're putting into the building, that infrastructure is investment you're not putting into reentry, you're not putting into educational programs and services. You know, we look to these prisons we see in Europe. They're really beautiful, and but they're, to- they're built totally on a different system. They have very few people incarcerated. They have very low recidivism rates because they actually re- be, believe in repair, like that these are citizens and they're not based in slavery, right? That they didn't come from a system of enslavement. Our system is. So the prettier box ain't gonna do it. Design is not gonna solve the problem. Do you feel like 2020 has aided the momentum toward rethinking the function and purpose of prisons? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. With COVID, a lot of folks are getting released. People are changing policies really fast. And it's amazing. They're letting all these people out, but then there's nowhere for them to go, right? We haven't built the housing, right? When we talk about investments, restorative reinvestments in community, where's the housing? Where's the sober living facilities? Where are the behavioral health and psychiatric health centers we need? Where are the schools and education? Where are the jobs and job training and workforce development opportunities, right? Where's all that stuff? That's where the money should be flowing. And look, and the price point is better. For one jail, we can build 30 restorative justice centers. That is a better use of your tax dollars. I want to build... How does it feel to have the success you've had with having published TED Talks, being in the New York Times, being awarded? How does success feel? Had no one paid attention, I would have kept doing it. You know, there was no roadmap for this. I just was like, we got to do this. I think design matters. I'm just going to keep going. I remember talking in front of the, the, the firm and coming up with these ideas and somebody laughed at me or I also was making suggestions and people were like, nobody's going to do that, Deanna. And I just like, you know, I'm tired of this. I started to sort of be like, wow, I got to get out of here. And I got a job working on a video game, actually, with a, a gentleman called Jonathan Blow. He came and said, hey, you want to, I need an architect for my video game. So I quit. And started working in this video game that paid me enough that for part of my time I could start pursuing my ideas about designing for restorative justice and peacemaking. So I was like video gaming, trying to design for the peacemaking, trying to do that, and, and it worked out. It worked out. So thank you to video games. If you follow your instincts, your heart, your gut, and uh, let fear be in the sidecar, you'd be surprised where it can go.
much respect, appreciation, and gratitude to Deanna Van Buren. For all of you out there who are interested in keeping up with the work that she and her organization are doing, check out Designing Justice on Twitter. Big time thank you to the producers behind this interview, Asala Sanapur and Marisol Medina Cadena. Thank you to the editor, Jessica Plachik, and the engineer, Rob Spate. Thank you a million times over to the engagement team, Kiana Mogadam, Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Vita Kong. None of this would be possible without the KQED execs who support this show, Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you for listening to Right Nowish. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.